The following podcast is part of the 6040 Network. Hello and welcome to Everything Small Business, your shortcut to start, build, manage and grow your small business. I'm Spencer. And I'm Cherie. And in today's episode, we're taking an in-depth look at how to take back control of your day and how to shift from reactive to proactive approach in business. By the end of this episode, you'll be able to regain control of your business and your time as we believe lessons learned should be lessons shared. Okay, welcome everyone to episode one of Everything Small Business. Cherie, what are we going to talk about today? Today, we're here to talk about four key areas that we believe that every small business owner needs to know in order to really look after the self-leadership aspects of running a business. And quickly, those topics are find your five, annual planning, know your customer, and understanding the seven levers of cash. And the reason that we call these self-leadership is because these are one of the only things in business that you can't delegate to other people or to an outside team. These are the things that you need to know about your business. Nobody else can do these for you. All right, let's jump straight into it. Find five. They're all super important, but I think that one's one of the most important, especially for businesses starting to grow. Or I guess that have been going for a little while, potentially starting to feel a bit overwhelmed, looking for help, wanting to outsource perhaps, maybe looking to get a virtual assistant, VA, but not really doing it the right way. Totally agree. And with all of the courses and I guess posts out there that say just how easy it is, find extra time, outsource, make things happen. The problem that I've sort of found in working with my own clients has been that they don't know where to start and how to actually set this up. So there's almost this course, which is what we've now built, that precedes getting a VA or like you said before, a virtual assistant. So this is about making sure that you're actually delegating or outsourcing or automating the right things in your business without getting to the point where you're so busy that you're overwhelmed, you're rushing to hire somebody to put on. And then the problem becomes you're you're so busy keeping them busy that you actually can't focus on the stuff that you need to do yourself. So, I mean, we've been both fortunate enough to work across a whole bunch of industries, you know, covering pretty much everything. So, you know, construction, hospitality, cafes. um, Legal. Accounting. Accounting. You know. um, Clinical trials. Yeah, medical practices. I mean, and I still find that this works for everybody no matter what. And it's about managing your own time because the reality is, is if you don't control your own time, Other people will control it for you and that's not where you want to be because then you're actually operating entirely in reactive mode, just waiting for the next thing to come up, which means that you're not getting the opportunity to focus on the things that will really move the needle in your business with any level of like true attention to detail. Yeah, you're stuck in the trenches and you you just can't see anything to make good decisions or keep the business moving forward. Mm. Um, I know I've done this myself. I've attempted to hire a VA twice. One was just, so the first time is exactly what you say, overwhelmed, you're flat out. I didn't take the time to work out exactly what I wanted them to do. I didn't really have the processes in place for them to do it, you know, to train them as well, like that whole whole aspect of doing that. Um, And it, yeah, it didn't go really well, but you, you end up, just being busy trying to make them busy so you feel like at least they're doing something but it's not really doing any tasks that are achieving anything the second time I did it I went through a company I guess though this was for the marketing business 
um, went through a company that specialized in marketing, you know, in creative VAs or whatever. So there was an assumption that there would be some knowledge of what I was needing. And that's probably just me being lazy or just being under the pump. Um, but again, it's still, it was still the, the same thing. So not taking the time to actually identify what tasks and dele delegating them properly. I think it's the prep work that you put into it, which is actually what leads to the successful outcomes in hiring a, a, a VA. I think, you know, you've got the same in, in marketing. We've got the same in accounting. There's a whole bunch of different industries that have sprung up saying, yeah, outsource, it's easy. Um, yeah, we're specialists in your field. And like you said, there's the presumption then that they will actually have employees that are going to be working for you that are skilled. And it's just not been my experience that that's not the case. No, no. Um, it is tricky, I guess, in marketing or design that there is an aspect of like the strategy, I guess, with accounting. There's certain knowledge that you have which um, is what you get paid for. But, but I there are. Yeah. Sorry, you go. No. All, okay, I didn't really inter interrupt with that, but it's actually a really good point. People do take on VAs expecting them to do all of these things but the reality is they're not your secret source you're the secret source yeah. to your own business and so as a result the stuff that you're trying to assign to a, a VA is actually got to be the task driven stuff those very procedural things and to really buy back the time in your own week the things that you delegate have to be things that you're doing all of the time so you know the, the tasks that you get rid of first are the things that you're doing that you do every single day or every single week or they take time to put together. How do people find out what tasks they need to delegate? They have to really take a good look at what the time is that they're currently spending. And it's not just trying to remember back, it's actually taking a, a, a scheduled approach to a time diary for a specific period of time. I mean, when we do this program, we like to run it over two weeks and it's it's quite difficult asking people who are already time starved as business owners to sort of jot down what they're doing every 15 minutes or half an hour but it's actually in that approach that gives you the greatest opportunity to see exactly where you can make such powerful change because when you're going through a process like that the time study at the end of the two weeks is us going back then through this diary not with a view of just seeing, well, what have I done or where did I go? It's more to see, well, um, what tasks am I doing? What was meanwhile task versus the actual task I was supposed to be focusing on? What were the things that made me money? Because at the heart of it, you know, you really only want to spend your time on the stuff that makes you money. The things you want to get rid of are just the things that you're doing every single day that you just shouldn't be. And to be honest, a lot of the people that think, the, the areas that they have, like everything's so hard to outsource and that's just not true. One of the easiest places that you'll actually find the place to outsource is in your accounting. Hiring a great bookkeeper is the most simple approach to doing or to dealing with, you know, freeing up her time. And the reason for that is, is because bookkeepers are already trained. They usually have professional designations. So you've already got a standardized level of understanding. Most of them are BAS agents in Australia, which basically means that they are have met a certain qualification level, just hand it over to them. They'll already have their processes and you might have freed yourself up an hour, an hour and a half a week right in that process. Plus then you get the added advantage of being able to see real-time data about your own business. And especially with the bookkeeper, that with that example, they'll probably do it uh, twice as fast as they know I can. So something that might take me five hours might take them one hour. 
as well. So a big saving there. Mm-hmm. That's good. So yeah, I guess when you start documenting what you're doing, uh, the tasks or what you're doing throughout each day over a two week period, you'll start to see patterns and, and areas where you're spending your time where you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And probably that's the low hanging fruit or the, the easy wins where you can start to um, pull back some of that time, get out of the trenches and make some better better decisions. 100%. And as you can see, it's a self-leadership topic simply because nobody else can document your time. Only you have to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, that moves us on to the, the next sort of uh, topic. Well, not next sort of topic. That just moves us on to the next area, which is all about things, uh, annual plan. So yeah. This is the strategy side of your business. Where do you want your business to go? And then what's the method that you're going to get there? 100%. How do you know where you're going or when you get there if you don't even if you haven't even wrote it, written it down, like you don't know what you're doing. Mm. Um, I do like this one because um, you've got that one pager template, which is which is really good. Um, I've only, I've done a business plan once. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, might've been an accountant, <laughs> gave me a, a Word document, <laughs> 20 pages and like a hundred questions or something like that. Took me a good part of two weeks to fill it in. Cost me seven thousand. I was doing it just to get a ten thousand dollar overdraft, which, in hindsight, was ridiculous. Should have just kept the seven thousand. Um, and they basically just read the 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 what I'd sent them, changed a few words, bound it, sent it back, and I put it in the drawer, and that's where it stayed. So it wasn't a good investment of my time, but a, a one pager is I, I really like that because you can just see it. I'm very visual, I guess, coming from a creative side. I need to see things. If something's not in front of me, it, it's as good as gone. Um, so I love the one pager. And one pages are perfect for that. It's a, it's something you can stick up on the wall. It's always in front of you and you're not expecting people to go through 80 or 100 pages. I mean, honestly, who's got the time to read that, let alone come back to review it? Whereas if you keep everything up, first of all, it makes you keep it short. Yeah. And the reality is, is that there's four quarters in a year and really you can only achieve good things in a quarter. So this helps really take your year, know what your overarching objective is over, say, a five-year period or a three to five-year period. But this one pager over an annual basis really just helps you take that very clear view of exactly well, what's realistic to achieve in the next 12 months, what do I need to do to get there, and what methods am I going to use to measure the success of me getting to where I want to be? Yeah. That clarity and direction and get rid of that overwhelm. You're not trying to like think, how am I going to achieve this massive thing in, you know, at this time? Um, you can just focus on the things that you need to do that month, quarter or whatever and know that you're still moving towards that, that mm-hmm. ultimate outcome. And the, the reality is most businesses don't die of starvation. They die of indigestion. There's just too many things that need to get done and there's no way to prioritise exactly how to achieve them. Whereas if you break it down like that, it might be four topics or so four quarters, which is how we run, four quarters, which is the strategy, cash, capacity and clients. And then each of those three months might be broken down to a specific project that we're trying to achieve a goal with. Now, as you know, you can't really measure or test things over a month, let alone, you know, three months, you're getting a little bit closer. So these are projects that do run out from a monitoring point of view much longer, 
but it's nice to be able to at least start the project with a view of being able to have some way to measure it to know if you're on track, off track, or how you can bring it back on track. Because at the heart of it, that's really what every project is. And sometimes, I mean, we found this in our own business, is that sometimes what we really think that we want, once we start getting it in play, just it just doesn't work. It's yeah. not for our business and therefore we have to sort of redefine the tack. But it doesn't change that that strategic objective for that particular quarter, which is simply those OKRs or objectives and key <laughs> results. <laughs> So what's our objective and then what are we going to do to achieve it and how do we measure it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, another thing I guess that it's better for a small business owner to do, like it is something that other people could do for you, but I think it's something it's, it's better that it, you should do yourself so that you know. And really it's um, it's knowing who your customer is, who, you're, who you want to work with, who your ideal, yeah, basically who your ideal client or customer is. There's, there's two areas in which I guess it happens. Like when you start a business, um, you start saying yes to everyone that comes in because obviously you want to make money and you, and, you, and you need to be busy. So you're just saying yes to, to anyone that calls the phone or sends you an email, um, which in hindsight now is not the, you know, the best thing to do, um, but you do it. Or when you are overwhelmed and you've taken people on, um, or you hired a VA, or, you know, you're trying to make people busy. So again, you're saying yes to the things that you probably wouldn't otherwise say yes to. Um, it's not all clients really are equal. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. And I think one of the things that I've learned too is, um, well, it's, it's our acronym, Sawezen. Success is what you say no to. Yeah. And it's sometimes in saying no that you get the best outcomes uh, for your business and for your own personal life, you know. Yeah. I mean, in small business, and this is where it gets completely different, people talk about a work-life balance. The reality is in, in small business, there's no such thing. It's about balancing and it's work-life integrated more than it is a balance. Mm. You'll, you'll you don't never switch have off. You don't leave at 5 o'clock and think I'll pick this up tomorrow at 8. You you may be doing some work at home. Well, it depends what business you're in, obviously, if it's a shop or retail. But then there's still work you do later. You can close the door. Um, it's one of the areas that I've noticed with, again, in the marketing business, um, with customers coming in or clients coming in. And it's one of the exercises, I guess, we go through and a, an exercise which we go through with um, 6040 as well is being able to identify who that customer is. So that you, one, are attracting more of the people that you want to work with. Um, you're enjoying working with the people you want to work with then as well. You're not getting the the squeaky wheels. What is it? The squeaky wheel um, gets more oil, mm -hmm. which is often to the, the detriment of, you, of your good clients, the people that you want to work with, the ones that um, often push to the side. The main thing, I guess, is is being able to identify who your ideal customer is. I mean, just on that too, it, there's a number of reasons for it because if you do that, A, your messaging works, you're yep. speaking to them in a manner that they are wanting to be spoken to. Mm -hmm. You understand them a lot better. And I don't know about you, but my experience was is that the more I refined my client type, so I knew who my preferred type of client actually was, the deeper the experience that I got in that specific industry or across that type of work pattern. So, for example, um, I guess where we work best is working with professionals, so people who sell their time because we know that the, the major leverage points are of how you can generate much better results from that. 
and that was always a really big thing because now we know exactly the hot points or the the primary areas where people are going to have some issues in order to be able to fix them very quickly and in, in sometimes less than three months you've got an instant turnaround pr practically of a business I mean instant in our world's you know pretty much three months because you need to have the time to make the plan execute the plan measure the plan yeah three months can sound like a long time but it passes so fast and you'd wish you'd done you'd wish you'd started it back three months earlier um, so I guess one, you're absolutely right. So it's one of the easiest way to fix marketing campaigns because generally people want to be all things to everyone or the messaging's like wishy-washy because they're not talking in the language that their ideal customer uses. It could be anything or they're not advertising at the right times or the right platforms or channels or anything like that. So by building out your customer avatars, um, which is part of like the know your customer, then you get to, yeah, re really start seeing better results because you, you're communicating better and you're attracting the people who you want to work with and then you're enjoying <laughs> your business a lot more as well. And you can generally find that you'll price better yeah. as well. And, I mean, that leads us straight into the next one, um, which is our seven levers of cash flow. I mean, um, I mean, this is my area. I love this area the most. Yeah, I'm just going to turn the mic off now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and um, I'm happy to share them right now because it's not actually knowing what they are. It's knowing how to use them for your business that actually is the biggest driver. So the seven levers are your sales growth, your pricing, your gross margin and inventory, your accounts receivable, your operating expenses and your staffing costs. So things like labor productivity, um, capital expenses, and then knowing how to effectively use debt and funding inside your business. Because at the heart of it, your business can't really grow or um you know, progress unless you've got some form of working capital. And honestly, I'd much rather a business that's got positive cash flow that's running through nicely than one that's, you know, choppy, wavy, and just it's it's either stressful or it's flush with cash. Nobody really wants to operate a business like that. It's just too much drama. Yep. Actually, one of the ones you just said there, I know we're not supposed to like trigger <laughs> um, pricing. You see it a lot, um, I guess, in a lot of Facebook groups. Um, I see it in some of the marketing groups or that, that I sort of joined in where you'll get people come in that maybe have just done a course or maybe they've just decided that this is something that they didn't like to do. And they start asking people what they charge. And then they'll basically sort of go through the list of the person who writes down the, the highest figure. And they're like, oh, that sounds good. I think that's what I'll charge. But they haven't, it's it's not the how you price your services. You know, that the person that they might be referencing might have 10 years experience. They might have worked on specific industries or their, their knowledge might be much different or the results they've achieved. How would you recommend for people to look at their pricing or come up with a pricing model of what they feel comfortable to price their services at? Well, I mean, that's a that's a deep dive question, really, and it does come down to some specifics about your nature. I mean, the reality is, though, looking only at what your competitors price is not a good way to go. No. Like, it's a race you don't to be the price bottom. Driven, no, no, and like you don't want your your services to become commoditized because then it's a complete race waste <laughs> waste. It's a it is a complete waste, but it's a complete race to the bottom. Yeah, because if you're just undercutting each other, who's got the discount or and it's it's a 
there's no benefit to that, not for anybody. So I think that one of the biggest ways that people can go, obviously, is the self-branded aspect. So what's your positioning? And that comes back directly to knowing your customer. If you have a deep, like a level of depth of experience in a specific industry, it's going to lead you to being able to price more or to build a greater value into the deliverable. And that's across any type of service. So, you know, there are some types of services that can be commoditized, but at the heart of it, a service-based business based upon a professional background, they're one of the easiest to be able to separate pricing for. Like I've said it before, like what's your secret sauce? What is it about you? What's your unique selling proposition? What is it that you've got that nobody else has got or can deliver or package in a way that shows the value that you're actually bringing to the table? Yeah. But, I mean, out of those seven levers, two of them actually lead to exponential growth. I was about to ask, what um, is a, I, I guess every, every, um, every instance is different, isn't it? So every client's going to be in a different position, so they're going to need different levers pulled at different times type mm-hmm. of thing. And sometimes some need them pulled completely hard. Yeah. I mean, you might absolutely need to scrap your pricing, rechange your business model and start from scratch. Yeah. And that takes guts, but sometimes it's needed because that would be, if you don't do it, you run the risk of losing your business and then potentially because it is small business, you might have your you know your family your home, home tied yeah. up. I mean, that's just the worst case scenario uh, that nobody wants to be there, not for taking a bit of a hard line. The other thing that I see a lot is people don't chase their debtors, have to chase your debtors. You've done this work. They owe you the money. Don't feel bad about chasing it. That is something that I've noticed and it was something that I had to to learn. But a lot of people in business sometimes are not comfortable around the money conversations. they don't get that out. Yeah, they don't. They, they sort of skirt around it and sort of send a quote and hope that it gets the sort of accepted and that they don't really talk about it. Which, which is, is a weird. shame. Like yeah. that's the best opportunity for you to get out in front of somebody and say, hey, here's my quote. I'm so proud of this. Here's why I'm different and here's why you need to be doing business with me. Yeah. These are the results I'm going to get for you. Yeah. You know, I guess the other big thing that I see from a money side um, is discounting. Yeah. Ugh, bane of bane of my existence. People don't understand, and that ties into your gross margin. the The actual cost to discounting is phenomenal when you actually factor in your cost of sales. Yes, I remember you actually showing me an example. Um, I've got that table. with a client, um, a retail client that we were doing. It was the e-commerce retail. And we had certain targets that we needed to hit certain amount of, well, it wasn't a sales target. It was a, like a money target. So not, not a, not a volume of sales, but a, a, you know, a price that we needed to to raise. And it was gross revenue. Yeah. And then it's interesting. Like when you start to discount, whether it's five, 10, 20, whatever percent, the increase in volume that you then need to sell in order to hit those same targets. And then you've got to sort of question whether it's worth discounting then because the extra work that needs to be done to still achieve that, um, yeah, it's 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 easy for people just to, to to sort of go. Let's just offer a discount, and you you know that that'll work, and pe- more people will buy it. But yeah, the exponential increase in the amount of sales required to still hit those same target is quite high in certain instances. Oh, definitely. And it's not to say that discounting isn't an advantage at some point. Like if you've got really slow moving stock or it's, you know, expiring or it's coming close to a wastage point, 
you know, that's the opportunity that you would take to discount it because things like inventory, that's essentially, that's dollar bills sitting on the floor. You need to turn that back into cash, yeah. you know, and obviously there's that wasting time cost of money that you'll have over the period of time. Yeah. You have to get the cash back. Cash is king. Absolutely. Well, there's another little saying that we've got, which is revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, but cash is king. Yeah. For now anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, if anybody's like really interested, we actually do an in-depth uh, look at each of these four factors in the business boot camp. Um, but we'll drop a link to that in the show notes anyway. So clearly, like these four topics are pretty important, kind of foundational in in what you would need to implement in business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's why we selected these for the business boot camp. Yeah, I mean, that's the biz- that's the um, program that we deliver through 6040. And in that, we run through these four topics in a lot more detail um, and have specific and actionable strategies and tactics that you can take away instantly to start making a real change in, well, we deliver that one over four weeks. So in four weeks, you can completely overhaul your whole business. Yeah, we understand people are busy. So there's no point giving people uh, a ton of work to do, which is not going to get done and add to the overwhelm. So four weeks is a really good time frame to be able to work through these one per week uh, and then implement it and start to see positive change. Absolutely. So we'll drop a link to that one in the show notes below. Well, that's everything small business for today. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to stay up to date with our show, please subscribe or follow in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. If you know someone who might enjoy this podcast, please share it with them or share it on your socials and tag us. Until next time, this is everything small business.